Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. It is 10.39 p.m. in Phoenix, Arizona, which makes it how late where you are, Sam? It is uh, 12. It just turned 12.40 uh, <laughs> after midnight, late night hours uh, with us. We're back less than 24 hours after we recorded our last one. I did sign off yesterday by saying mm-hmm. I felt like there was going to be some big news this week. And yeah. You know, granted, this is not, nothing is finalized, but we felt that this was sufficiently big enough that we would hop on and and give you guys another pod. Um, Man, I don't really, I don't know where, I don't know where to start. Do you know where to start? Yeah, we we should say that uh, Brian Windhorst tweeted that the Phoenix Suns have had conversations about acquiring Chris Paul. It's a good place to start. I'm glad you (laughs) know what you're doing here. (laughs) <laughs> it just I mean if if people hadn't heard it yet which is possible like if you went to bed before the news and you wake up to a podcast tomorrow morning and I'm the one that breaks it to you that's hilarious first of all <laughs> I love the idea of me breaking the news to somebody um on a veterans day morning that Chris Paul might actually be a Phoenix Sun, especially because I spent a good uh, few months tweeting about how that's okay. I, I felt like a therapist trying to uh, let people know that it's okay to be excited about it, even if it means getting rid of two players that we like in potentially in Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts going through my mind. What was your first thought when you got the uh, notification about that tweet there, Sam? I mean, I was I was excited. He's not, he's never been 
my favorite target. I think you have always been more on that train than I have. But at the same time, I appreciate the discourse that we have because I think you've, in a lot of ways, what I appreciate, what I appreciate about our relationship is that you simplify things for me sometimes. And I think, honestly, the first thought that I had when I saw the news was, oh, well, Chris Paul, he's a good player. I was thinking about the conversation we had a few weeks ago. You said, I want players who make a lot of money because players who make a lot of money are good players. Or or what you said was good players make a lot of money. You shouldn't right. be scared off by the fact that they make a lot of money because they're good. Um, I think that's honestly all I was thinking here is that Chris Paul is a good player. He's coming off a fantastic season um, by a lot of advanced metrics. He had a better season than any Phoenix Sun has had in the past 10 years, honestly. Um, and so I think there's two ways we can take the conversation. Chris Paul, the basketball player, and what does it mean for the Suns as a basketball team with their strategy? And then we could get a little bit, but I think it's important also we need to get a little bit nerdy and talk about the logistics and talk yeah. about how can we structure this trade and are there ways to structure the trade that are outside the box? So where do you want to start? Well, I think the first thing I want to say is, well, first of all, my girlfriend is handing me a drink right now. <laughs> Thank you. This is emergency <laughs> podcast hours. Things things go a little differently uh, this time of night. Hold on, I'm going to take a drink. Okay. First thing I want to say is, Chris Paul is willing to come to the Phoenix Suns. That's what this means. And I don't think that we need to take that for granted. I think it, it the idea that Chris Paul would be willing to be a Phoenix Sun before this specific offseason mm-hmm. would have felt completely insane for many reasons. One, he's chasing championships right now. And I think, I genuinely think, if you are trading for Chris Paul right now, you now are shifting to, instead of building a team that's fighting for the eighth seed, you're going to try to build a contender right now. Mm-hmm. That's what this means. Uh, and I think the fact that James Jones, Monty Williams, Devin Booker got this team to this place. And, I mean, at, to an extent, Robert Sarver for hiring those people. Wow. You're, you're like, going to go there already. Okay. Is, is a credit to where they are right now. now First of all, it hasn't, even, it hasn't happened yet. Yes, but <laughs> I would not, I would not the, credit Robert Sarver in this conversation yet. The fact that it's even rumored, and right, and to be honest, maybe the fact, maybe the rumor is all that it is because it makes the Suns look like a real destination for a good player, and that's what mm-hmm. they want. But the fact that it's even rumored likely means that Chris Paul is willing to be a Phoenix Sun, and that I think that that means something. It means absolutely. something. It absolutely means something. It's a it's a huge step in the right direction in legitimizing this franchise, um, mm-hmm. which is something that as fans we've coveted. James Jones has coveted. Monty Williams has coveted. I'm sure. Chris Paul, you know, I mean, it'd be different if he were making $25 million. He would have a lot more leverage if he were making $25 million a year than he does uh, making $40 million. And so, you know, it's not what this trade means is that Chris Paul is okay with coming to the Phoenix Suns, um, but it does not mean that he has his pick of just any destination. Because as we know, there's, there's really only a few teams that might have the ability to kind of match those contracts in the first place. So I I want to push back slightly on the concept that Chris Paul controls his own own destiny and, and, you know, has any contender to choose from. But, you know, for for instance, one other team that has been rumored to be interested in Chris Paul, the Milwaukee Bucks. And if Chris Paul is really that focused on winning a championship right now, 
Um, you would think he would be much more excited about the prospect of going to play with Giannis, even if it's only for one more year because before um, Giannis hits free agency, than he would be to go play with some young guys in Phoenix. Um, yeah, it's it's a step towards legitimacy. <laughs> if this does happen, mostly I'm not interested in what Chris Paul thinks, honestly. I'm interested in the fact that James Jones is willing to be bold enough, or Jeff Bauer, whoever, is willing to be bold enough right. to make these types of moves now. Right. That they firmly believe that Devin Booker is ready, um, or maybe, honestly, that they're a little bit scared <laughs> that Devin Booker is getting antsy. Um, and they want to make these sorts of moves to launch themselves not just to being a, a seventh or eighth seed fringe playoff team, but to being a firmly established playoff team that can fight for home court advantage, maybe be a second round playoff team as early as next year. I think that's the goal now if you if you go for a guy like Chris Paul. I completely agree because that's Chris Paul's goal. You know, he's not going to try to go to a team to get knocked out in the first round. He's going to want to try and get as deep as possible. And Look, if we are allowed to finally be excited about this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be excited about this. And you said you're not worried about what Chris Paul thinks. Well, I'm not worried about what Chris Paul thinks. I'm not worried about what James Jones thinks. I really want to know, what does Ryan Rossillo think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. uh, it is just kind of funny that this, this type of thing is happening immediately after that report about Devin Booker wanting out. Like, no, this is, this is not the case at this point. Unless they're absolutely terrified of him, of him leaving in Chris Paul's last ditch effort, it just doesn't feel like that. And I and I want to make the case again. I've done this before, but I just want to make this case again. I think that trading for Chris Paul is not a panic move. I think it's good for the short term, and I think it's good for the long term. And there's a couple reasons why. One, he makes you good right away, so obviously that makes you good for the short term. Two. He tries he a combination of James Jones, Monty Williams and Chris Paul have a better chance at fixing Phoenix's culture sort of against Robert Sarver than any other combination of people that I can think of. We're talking about Chris Paul, president of the Players Association, friends with Barack Obama, Chris Paul. Like this is a guy with influence. Uh and beyond that, long term, his deal is 2 years. He gets you to the playoffs for 2 years most likely. And then his contract drops off. If you can convince Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton to not sign extensions and save uh, their signing for a long-term deal until that specific offseason, you have $40 million of cap space dropping off. You have a ton of space available. You have the ability of signing Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton over the cap, and you can find other players in that free agency to add to the team at that point. I think that the team can get to the playoffs for two years, prove that they're good, prove the worth of those guys, and then sign another free agent in the summer of 2022. I, I think it's a good move for the short term and the long term. What do you think? I, I totally agree with you. I think the question is of depth. And that's where we need to transition the conversation over to the logistics, because I think it's very, very clear. If you have a starting five of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, um, power forward to be determined, we'll kind of have that. That's part of the other conversation in a second. But DeAndre Ayton, you know, your top four or five guys are going to be very good. They're going to be good defensively. They're going to be good offensively. Um, how you build around them is there's a couple different ways you could go about it. So do you want to do you want to start talking about how we think we should actually? Well, actually, here's where I want to start. Is there an offer at at what point? What is the maximum amount of value that OK, uh, OKC can kind of ask for that that kind of makes you balk at the offer and and say you know what? Yeah, it was it was it was worth a shot, but I I don't actually want to go that far. 
I would do... I think that you basically have to do Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio. I don't think that the OKC Thunder are trying to trade for Ricky Rubio. Although, I think Ricky Rubio on that team is kind of fascinating in a, in a lot of ways, uh, assuming they don't tear it all apart like they could do. Um, I think they probably want Kelly Oubre to flip for picks, Ricky Rubio yeah. just to have salary. Like, they need they need to pay players. They're probably going to tank. Sad, sad situation for Ricky Rubio. We don't have to get into that too much right now. Um, but I think... In a lot of ways, the the prize is Kelly Oubre at that point, and it, I'd be willing to trade those two guys. Okay. And beyond that, I would not include any of the other players on the Suns if I could avoid including any of the other players. Now, that's relatively simple to say because there's not a lot left as far as guys that are actually signed on the team. Basically, what that means is obviously you're not trading trading Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And for me, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are non-starters at that point. Sure. If they demand, if you absolutely have to include a draft pick i would try to avoid including this 10th pick this year because with that 10th pick you can pick a wing to try and replace kelly Oubre, and i would offer a protected uh, hopefully lottery protected pick for 2021 because hopefully the suns are not out you know not in the lottery anyway and they get a late pick but if everything goes to shit he injures himself and they're terrible then they still get a pick in a good draft so that's as far as I would go. Essentially, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre in a protected 2021 first round pick. I just want to, this might take me a second to look up because I'm doing it in real time here, but I want to look up exactly what picks uh, Oklahoma City has. That's a long list. It's a very long list because here's the thing. Uh, they have only the 25th pick this year. Now, next year, oh my God, it's so complicated. Why is this so complicated? So they have so many picks. But next year, they have a first-round pick from Miami and or Houston. It's it's like a three-way swap where they get the most favorable type of thing. So it, it won't be... I thought maybe it was a situation where they already had three or four first-round picks next year because of all the trades right. they made recently. Right. And in which case, they would demand the 2021. I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to give up the 10th pick outright. First, let me push back um, or pull back here a little bit. So there's two scenarios. Scenario A, uh, that obviously very clearly works under cap constraints, is Kelly Oubre and uh, Ricky Rubio, and then other little tiny pieces, maybe salaries, you know, Ty Jerome, draft assets, depending on exactly what it is. But we know very clearly that Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, as as a baseline package, works for this trade. I think there is a 99% chance that that is the actual trade. There's a scenario B that, that we agonized over for the last hour <laughs> yeah. fact checking we we fact check with a couple of different people so i think we're, we're going to go down that path in a second if you really really want to keep kelly Oubre, but 90 99% chance um i think that rubio and, and Oubre are gone so then the question is just how much further beyond that are you willing to go because obviously okc you know they're not in it for ricky rubio as you said they might be in it for Kelly Oubre, but honestly, if they are, it's only to swap him maybe for another first-round pick. I don't think they're super interested in his long-term value. I think I'd be willing to give them the 10th pick this year, um, but I uh, only if I can swap it. I'd, I'd do a 10 for, for 25. For the 25th, yeah. I'd do a 10 for 25 swap right. because the other thing about bringing in Chris Paul, the other thing about losing Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre— it would really be nice to just have some sort of draft capital this year, even if it's a late first round pick that's not super valuable, even if it's like an early second round pick, just something 
to go out and get a, a cheap, maybe kind of NBA ready ish prospect that you can plug into the back end of your rotation who's going to not make a lot of money because at this point with Chris Paul on the team with Devin Booker and and the other contracts the Suns are going to be obviously in a uh, an over the cap team basically no matter what they do right. um, this offseason I don't think they're going to be pushing they're not going to push the luxury tax or anything but they will be solidly over the cap um, so yeah, 10 for 25 is a swap that I do. I would totally be comfortable doing the other thing that you suggested, which is push it back to, to next year and offer them a protected pick. Um, if they say, no, just give us the 10th pick and we're not giving you anything. I don't know that I want them that bad. I don't think I do. I think there's plenty of other options that we can pursue this off season. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, the reason I tend to agree with that is that losing Kelly Oubre, look, Chris Paul is this maybe the greatest point guard of all time. I, I just want to preface everything I'm saying for that. But when you have a Chris Paul team, the team has to be a Chris Paul team. Like it has to make a lot of sense for what you're building. Devin Booker fits in perfectly. DeAndre and is essentially like built in a lab to play with Chris Paul in a lot of ways, uh, especially if that three starts dropping regularly next season. But beyond that, you want wings. It's just like every other team when you're trying to build a really good team around players that can create for others. You want wings. That means uh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and you know Kelly Oubre is obviously one of those guys. But if Kelly Oubre is gone, you want that 10th pick to try and get one. And there are wings in this draft that make it worthwhile. That means Devin Vassell, who, who can likely contribute right away. Uh, even Okoro, if he's available at 10, can likely contribute right away. Patrick Williams... Might take a little bit longer, but could be someone that contributes in a small role right away. And I think if you're losing a guy like Kelly Oubre, trying to replace that guy on minimum deals is essentially impossible. That's um, a fool's errand. It's very, yeah, very, it's, very difficult. I mean, yeah, you can't go out and I mean, that's kind of what the Houston Rockets have been trying to do. Ironically enough, Chris Paul's old team that got very far was very good, but you know, if you find yourself trying to replace Kelly Oubre with the likes of a Luke Bamute or a Tabo Cephalosha or something like that, it's just, it's not going to work out too well for you, you know? Yeah. So, so there needs to be some, some way to replenish your wing depth. But if you go this route, you trade Kelly Oubre and obviously we appreciate, I'm, ta- I'm talking about him here as if he's already gone. If we do trade Kelly Oubre, we will always be appreciative of his efforts in, in building up the Suns culture over the past couple of years. And I do still love Kelly Oubre as a player. If we do trade him and Ricky Rubio, there is the ability to still go in and as, as a relatively deep team next year because you can still preserve your cap space. Um, you can roughly match those salaries. You can preserve some cap space. You can re-sign guys like Dario Saric and Aaron Baines and Javon Carter. I think that's the main trio that most people who want to bring back the squad want to retain. Um, and then beyond that, you'd still have your mid-level exception. You could still go out, target it. We've talked about them before. Maybe you, maybe at that point, Chris Paul on the team, maybe Jay Crowder will come for the mid-level exception to, to uh, replace you know, Kelly somebody- Small for it. I was just on Dan Favali's podcast, the Hard- Hardwood Knox podcast, uh, Bleacher Report uh, thing. And uh, in that podcast, he actually said, what about Paul Millsap? Somebody might be willing sure. to take less to play on a team sure, maybe, uh, yeah. with Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think maybe, yeah, maybe Paul Millsap does come. Maybe Jay Crowder does come. Justin Holiday again, a, a name I've thrown out a hundred times. Like you can still get a player of that caliber. Not as good as Kelly Oubre, but you can still add another player on top of Chris Paul. You can still retain other talent. You put that all together, and I think it's a it's a relatively it's a relatively good team. Um, 
It's maybe not as deep as you otherwise could be, but you gotta make sacrifices somewhere, and Chris Paul last year was a top 15 player in the NBA, so. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. So, somebody on Twitter just tagged me in a video of James Jones and Sam Presti famously walking to the back tunnel in Phoenix in January of 2020 saying, let's talk. And that happened. I remember when it happened. And I remember us talking about it. When I think we made some jokes about it because because that's all it were deserved jokes at, at the time you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um but uh it is kind of it is kind of funny to look at that right now um here, here I, I guess we should address something that's on everyone's mind can you make this trade without getting rid of kelly Ubre? here's where it gets really interesting and here's where it's above our heads so we had to consult other people yeah so what we did is we messaged a few people I messaged uh, our friend Dan Favalli, and of course we me- messaged our lo- uh, local Suns cap expert, uh, David Nash. And essentially you come up, there's a way. There's a way to do it. And it's a trade that's essentially built around getting rid of everyone <laughs> <laughs> on the team as far as like waiving all cap holds and uh, declining all team options. All of them, they're gone. Now at that point, there's and very few people on the roster. There's like five or six people on the roster. Then you trade the tenth pick. Exactly. No more tenth pick. No more tenth and you pick trade Ricky Rubio. No, no rookie. Yes. No Ricky you, Rubio. You also have to, you also have to pick up the option on guys like Elliot Kobo to trade them to create the right kind of space to do this. Now, essentially, yeah. So essentially, post trade, it is possible to trade Ricky Rubio and a, a bunch of other kind of minimum contract guys that you picked up the option on. 
and the value of the the 10th pick, which is about four and a half million dollars. Right. And then absorb Chris Paul using all of the cap space. Post-trade, this is this is straight from one of our sources. Post-trade, you'd be left with Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Chris Paul. That is, let me do some quick maths. Uh, six players. <laughs> six players plus six minimum roster charges gets you right to the figure of $109 million, which is next year's salary cap. And I want to just quickly just touch on that. It is almost exactly the salary cap. You're allowed to go slightly over the cap. And in this case, they're, I think they're $100,000 over the cap, which is allowed. The number is so close to the salary cap, it almost feels impossible. And I think at this point, you kind of look at it and say, if you're OKC, would you rather have the 10th pick in this draft, which is considered eh, or Kelly Oubre, who you can now flip into something else? And I think that's that's actually a good conversation. I think, you know, my first thought was they do this because Kelly Oubre is in the deal. Uh, there's two reasons, right? Kelly Oubre, if he works, he's a pretty good player. He's relatively young and you can keep him and pair him with a guy like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, and if it doesn't work, you can flip him for like a first round pick next year or in two years or whatever. And, and, and Sam right. Presti is horny for picks. So he would definitely, definitely do that. Uh, so there's options with Kelly Uber not, Jr. Not to mention it's it's not an either or situation, right? Because we just said we'd be like I would do a ten for twenty five swap in addition to giving them Ubre. So it's not shoot, you know, in that situation they get Ubre and the ten. So why would right. they just want Ubre? They're gonna ask for more. But yes. even beyond that, it's also very convoluted to do this because in this situation where you don't trade Kelly Ubre, well, you need to be very very sure. You need to come to an agreement with OKC on draft night that we are going to, because you can't keep the $4.5 million value of the 10th pick and pull off this trade because you won't have the necessary cap space to absorb Chris Paul's salary. So on draft night, you need to be very clear who is the prospect that OKC wants. We will pick him for you. A few days later, we will pick up the options of all of these necessary players who we will then trade to you to clear all of the cap space and renounce all of the all of the cap holds. Um, so this is this is a trade that needs to be pre-planned out a couple of weeks in advance, uh, and OKC can't get cold feet because what happens if OKC gets cold feet? You've decided on draft night that you're going to take some random guy that you don't actually want for the Thunder. You can't actually see the trade through to its completion uh, until maybe about a week later once you've renounced all of those cap holds on other players, um, and then OKC you know, pulls out, decides they don't want to do it, and you're stuck with a guy you don't actually want in the draft. So it's much more complicated yes. to I, do this. I, I just want to say, for those of you who are having trouble following what Sam just said, the reason he's saying that is because in order to make the trade work without Kelly Oubre Jr., it has to go down after the, like well after the draft, after the players from the draft have now been signed, into their official deals, which also makes it complicated because now you have less time. Like this is already a truncated off season as it is Uh, less time with your full roster and understanding who your full roster is, is complicated. So I think for Suns fans, we're weighing this on whether or not you have the flexibility that trading Ubre offers you, or you basically forego all that flexibility for just (laughs) keeping Kelly Ubre and getting rid of the 10th pick. And I think for OKC, I think you do this because of Kelly Oubre and, and the potential of maybe swapping a pick or getting a future pick. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. But as I said before, I, I personally have not been fully convinced that James Jones is in love with Kelly Oubre anyway. I think there's a chance that um, 
this was a something that was going to happen. And and here's something else too. Kelly Oubre did sign a two-year, $30 million deal that basically made him a trade chip. That's what that deal did. It turned him into an expiring contract after the first year of his deal at a mid-level salary that is easy to trade. And look, if he signed a long-term deal, we wouldn't be having this conversation as it is. But I do want to point out something. James Jones could potentially turn Ryan McDonough signing Trevor Ariza into Chris Paul, which is really funny to think about. That would be really impressive if he could pull it off. I mean, I'll wait. I'll wait a couple years to see how a Chris Paul-led Suns team actually performs if it happens. But yeah, that would be something. That would be something. So there seems to be two sides of the thought of Chris Paul as far as his influence, his effect on a number one overall pick named DeAndre Ayton. I tend to think he'll be great for him because at the very least, we'll find out, we'll find out what DeAndre Ayton's made of. <laughs> at the very least. What side do you fall on that? Do you think that do you think that this could be damaging? Do you think he's going to want to kill DeAndre Ayton? Damaging. What does yeah. damaging mean? Here's well, the thing. You can't you know. I, and uh, look, I'm a modern man. I hold myself as to As Ar- Arcade Fire says, yeah. I I'm a modern man, as Win Butler says. I you mm-hmm. know, I hold myself to to modern principles of masculinity. I'm not a, <laughs> a tough love guy by any means. That being said, you know, I'm not some 55-year-old, you know, sports shock jock radio host type guy. However, I don't want DeAndre Aiden to be coddled too hard because we have a really tough decision coming up with DeAndre Aiden as soon as a year from now. Exactly. We have to decide if it's financially viable in the year 2021 or 2022 to still pay a center $30 million in in the NBA these days. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that is only worth doing Mm -hmm. if they are really a superstar player. And that decision is coming sooner than we think. So I love the idea of getting a player in here who's going to challenge DeAndre Ayton and and really force him to rise up to the challenge of wanting to be one of the main franchise centerpieces on on what, you know, a team that would aspire to be a playoff team. And and again, not just a seventh seed or eighth seed playoff team, but actually potentially a top four seed in the Western Conference. So, uh, you know, I, I love the idea. And if Chris Paul comes in here and DeAndre Ayton isn't up to that challenge and we find that out in year three and then we don't have to pay him $30 million and we can cut ties earlier than that, great. Because it, it just means we know what we have in DeAndre Ayton. We need exactly. to find out exactly what we have in this guy because right, right now a lot of Suns fans are clinging on to the hope that he is the next Carl Anthony Towns or the next Joel, uh, Joel Embiid. And he very well could be. I don't think it's super likely. He very well could be. But the, mm. the sooner we find that out, the better. I don't want, you know, you, you can't hold on to the kind of mystery box principle of, oh, he could be anything forever. Potential yeah. fades fast in the NBA. And by year three or four, we, we really need to have an idea of what he's going to be. If DeAndre Ayton cannot handle Chris Paul halfway through the season, then DeAndre Ayton is likely on the trade block, I think, in a lot of ways. But that's something that we can address and, and if, if that were ever to come you down. Said it, you said it already in this episode, Mike. If arguably the greatest point guard in the history of the NBA comes in and you, you don't find that to be a workable situation as DeAndre Ayton, you can't make it work, you know, I don't, I don't want to tie my future to this guy in the first place. So he should be on the trade block at that point. Now, if the rest of the league... Again, I don't think this is going to happen. I just want to make it clear... 
Really? I think Deion. I think no. I think DeAndre Ayton can thrive in year three. Oh yes, that's what I'm I saying. I think Chris Paul will be great for DeAndre Ayton. For yeah, one. I, yeah, I, it'll I, be I just the easiest buckets. It'll be the easiest buckets he's ever had. Exactly. And and two, like I think it's not the worst thing to get yelled at by a legend a few times. I think it can make a difference. I don't think this is you know Michael Jordan, <laughs> Kwame know, Brown. Yeah, yeah, beating up on a guy who who can't take it. I think Chris Paul probably learned a lot from the fact that he couldn't get along with James Harden. That was his best best path to a championship. Obviously, he was a different man in OKC. This was a man telling Lou Dort, who can't shoot, to shoot as much as he wants in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that you know it's a different guy. He's a, honestly, this year made me like Chris Paul. I kind of hated him before this year in a lot of ways. So, uh, Chris, you know, I mean, Chris Paul is one of the most loyal guys in the NBA. He always, like you said, president of the Players Association. A lot, the experience that a lot of fans tie to Chris Paul is the experience of watching him play against your favorite team. And so you're mad at the fact that right. you constantly see him whining about calls right. and flopping and right. arguing with the refs. You have a different association <laughs> yes. when you think of Chris Paul than the players that Chris Paul plays with have yeah. of Chris Paul. Players who play with Chris Paul, they love that guy. He always has their back. And, you know, he might yell at you sometimes. You think of that famous uh, moment with uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan. Mm-hmm. blowing that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> DeAndre deserved that. The other DeAndre. Yeah. Um, but but overall, God, yes. <laughs> overall, I'm sure you could collect every player who's played with Chris Paul in his career into a room and say, was that a, was that a beneficial experience for you overall playing with that guy? And they're mm. going to say, absolutely. So again, I, I wonder. Again, I think there were times in his career where maybe he wasn't the easiest to play with, and some of those people don't still maybe don't like him. But I think I do think that it's it appears that he has grown. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case anymore. I, I I just look at him more as he's a veteran now. He's more of a guy that understands his place in the league. It is kind of funny to think he was the president of the Players Association when they bargained for the previous CBA, which essentially added this sort of veteran max deal that he signed. It allowed him to sign this $40 million plus year deal. Now this $40 million plus year deal uh, is limiting where he can play. It completely limits his options. It, it makes it really difficult for him to like play on a contender, for an example, like a, like a ready-made contender, unlike <laughs> what, what we were talking about for the Suns. And uh, that's just kind of, it's, it's like a monkey's paw thing. It's a weird mm-hmm. irony of he created the system that now limits his <laughs> options. But, you know. If that's the, a risk. That's a risk you yeah. always take when, <laughs> when you make a lot of money as a player. Again, yeah. you know, some if players the, don't like moving their families cross country all the time. Yeah. Some players are ring chasers. But the appeal of a five-year contract and a five-year max contract for a lot of these guys is that you do become immovable in a sense. I don't know which side of the spectrum Chris yeah, Paul falls on. Yeah, that's a good on, point. But. Yeah, it will be odd that he will have been traded now at this point multiple times in that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's the Suns or somewhere else, like multiple times in that veteran max deal. I don't know that that situation will be likely. Like LeBron's not going to be traded. LeBron no. has the same deal, essentially. He's not going to be traded multiple times within that deal. So it sounds like we're in agreement. There is technically a chance that you could do this and still keep Kelly Oubre, but a very small chance, and that's not what we're doing. We're basically yeah. admitting here a package is going to be centered around Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. How much further than that you want to go is is kind of up to you. We've already stated our terms on that. But but that would yeah. be the framework of the trade. Yeah. Um, I guess there, one other question that I have for you stemming from that 
is, you know, you could still renounce Dario Saric and Aaron Baines and um, Javon Carter, all those guys, Frank Kaminsky. Um, and you could still then use some remaining cap space to go after. I mean, like imagine a starting five when I was talking about the power forward earlier. Imagine a starting five for a second of if you do go out and get Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant or Davis Bertans alongside Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. You're forgoing some depth by doing that. But these are scenarios that are now possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how insane would, would those lineups potentially be? Imagine Chris Paul and Devin Booker as your backcourt. DeAndre Ayton catching lobs and Davis Berton spacing the floor from out to 30 <laughs> Good feet. Good God. Just, it's like, it's Unguardable. possibly the best offense in the NBA next year. Yes. And it's totally uh, you look, feasible look, if, now. If we're just rosterbating now, which I'm okay with, uh, <laughs> just picture the lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs. It's perfect. It's exactly what you want in the playoffs. It's two of the best decision makers and mm-hmm. one of the greatest scorers in the NBA. Chris Paul being one of the most clutch guys in the NBA as well, surrounded by multiple players who are skilled offensively, and then DeAndre Ayton, whatever leap he takes next year, which could be big, he could be one of the best defenders in the NBA next year. I don't think that's completely insane to say. It's incredible to picture. It's it's genuinely exciting, and I want Suns fans to, if this does happen, be okay being genuinely excited about this. It's complicated. Chris Paul is a... Uh, uh, unlikable guy when you play against him, but this is the type of move where I look, I think there's a chance that the Suns can have a little bit of struggles in the regular season, but I think they will make the playoffs. I think it sounds like a team that's built for the playoffs. Just based but on when they're saying. in the playoffs, it ha- yeah, it good has God, it's perfect. It's it exactly what you want. Exactly. It's exactly. You know, we talk about the value of the mid range in the playoffs. Well, guess what? The Suns would have two of the best mid range shooters in the NBA at the oh, guard yeah. position. Um, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, right? Good God. How <laughs> okay. dare you? <laughs> no, you cut you cut the mid-range out of DeAndre's game. You have him space it out to three. And then, yeah, Chris Paul is a 60% mid-range shooter. He's like no other... He's more automatic than any other player of his generation, at least, um, from that from that range. So he's incredible. It is a team... It's just it's just built for playoff basketball. Um, it would mm-hmm. be really exciting. And, and you know, I have a bit of an axe to grind here, actually, a little bit. Oh. Not to segue too hard, but I'm looking at the Bright Side of the Sun article that, um, of course, our other friend, uh, Dave King, uh, just wrote about the trade. And there's a poll here at the end of the article saying, would you mm. acquire Chris Paul for the Suns? And 40... Now, the, the Bright Side of the Sun readership is a little bit different. It's not necessarily a massive overlap, I don't think, with the listeners of our podcast. But 43% of the people here in this poll are saying, no, I don't want Chris Paul. And I just don't get it, man. Like, to, to that's basically half the Suns fan base out there. So, you know, hey. it, it stands to reason that maybe roughly yeah. half of the people, what? I mean, a month ago when I talked about it, what do you think that number would have been? 10% no, would say yes? 90% not, yeah, would have 90%. Said no? no, a month ago yeah. when you were advocating for it, certainly 90%. It, it felt like you were backed into a corner. My uh-huh. question I, is, I though, lost a lot of followers, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> For the 50%, you know, roughly holdouts who are listening to this podcast right now, what is it about this that you can't get on board with? I mean, I know he makes a lot of money. I know he's 36 years old, but 
the Suns would be a better basketball team. The stats back that up. The eye yeah. test, I think, backs it up. They would yeah. be built for playoff basketball. They would be respected again, legitimate again in the eyes of, of national analysts. They would probably have more than a dozen national TV games next year, too. And, <laughs> and, and I think we've already covered, too. I think there's a path to legitimizing yourself for the next two years yes. and building on that so that you yes. have a long-term path and not Thank just a you. short-term one. The Suns so, are playing I mean, on Christmas Day if this happens. That's, just, that's the difference. Yeah, the Suns are having a, a marquee matchup against the Dallas Mavericks and, and Luka and KP on Christmas Day to, to celebrate the beginning of a rivalry that will take place for the next 10 years. So to you people, if you're still holding out, if you're still against this, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not, you know, attacking you, but what are you holding out for? What are you waiting for? You know, we, we said no to... I'm just thinking about all the players we've said no to over the years. You know, we said no to Kyrie Irving. We said no to Blake Griffin. We could have had some star players by now. What are you waiting for? Mm. What are you waiting for? I think I this mean, is I think this is the move. And and I, I started the podcast by saying it's not my favorite move. It's not my absolute favorite move. And and there are ways where you know if they want the tenth pick and and another and another draft pick on top of that, they can go fuck themselves. Like there's certain things that I'm just not willing <laughs> yeah. to give up for Chris Paul. And I don't if think I you'll think, have to, I, if I, I just want to reiterate that. Sure. He but, makes but, a lot of money. It's hard to find places for him that he could actually be traded. If the trade is purely just Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio for Chris Paul, maybe a pick swap or something. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, I here's my best pitch to Suns fans that are holding out. Build a better team next season. I bet you can't. <laughs> I bet you can't. A realistic move that can make the team better next season. And here's the thing. I'm going to say this again. The age that Chris Paul will be when he starts this next season is the same age as Steve Nash when the Suns last went to the Western Conference Finals. 35 years old. That's how old Steve Nash was in 2010. 2009, 2010. It's not completely insane to expect somebody at that age to still have a great season if they take care of themselves and very few people take care of themselves better than Chris Paul, is there disaster potential? Yes. But is there disaster potential when you make a move like this? Yeah. I think it's worthwhile. I think it's a risk reward thing. You have to weigh them against each other. And look, I've always come out on the side of this is the best possible team you can make for next season. And that is enough for me to, to say that it's acceptable. It's more than acceptable. It's exciting. It's very exciting. I think it could be very fun. I think it's thrilling. I think it's nauseating in a good way. Like, I would be scared. I would be scared of the potential. And that's why, for again, for the holdouts, I think I understand what you're feeling potentially because I think I'm feeling the same thing. I'm thinking that if this doesn't pan out, it's over. Like, Devin Booker is going to request a trade. You know what I mean? Like, there is potential for that. And they like Kelly Oubre and they like Ricky Rubio. Not just right, on the court. Right, right. Their personalities. Like, no, you have sure. grown to like these guys. And I think that's a fair thing to do. It is kind of funny to picture Kellen Olsen and Dave King asking questions to Chris Paul <laughs> after spending years asking questions to Mike to, James to people Tyler who are not Lewis. in the NBA now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, just like it's been 10 years, guys. We've waited long enough. Let's live on the edge. Let's take I'm this ready. year and live on the edge. I think we're ready. I'm ready. 2010-11, I got a chance to play with uh, a special team. Monty Williams was the head coach that year. And, you know, 
you play with some guys for one year, two years, you never know, and you, you make connections for a lifetime. So. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.